Well, that's what we're going to be looking at this weekend. We started a series last weekend called The Anatomy of Love, where we're going to spend this entire month of June looking at where God and love and dating and marriage and sex and all of that intersects. And so we are going to be diving in deep, diving in, uh, getting very, very real, very honest, and very practical. Uh, It may seem, thanks Joe, it may seem like this topic of dating and marriage and relationships and finding that perfect, thanks Joe, finding that perfect person is... uh, is something that you shouldn't talk about in church. You know, it's like, shouldn't we be memorizing verses right now or something? Like, and it can seem very unspiritual, but the reality is there are a few things that occupy our thoughts and occupy our heart and occupy our soul and our time more than relationships and our longing for a relationship, our work that we have to do when we're in a relationship, the time we spend, you know, when we're married and building that relationship. There are a few things more spiritual, actually, than people that we spend our lives with and the way that we share our lives. So that's why we're spending the next few weeks talking about this and talking about it very, very honestly. And this, mo- uh, this morning, this evening, what we're looking at is something that is not new. I want to be really clear about that. What we're going to be diving into in God's Word tonight is not a new thing. Okay? You've probably heard it before. I want to be really clear about that. There's no like shocking new dating verse that magically appeared that they found in the Middle East somewhere that now I'm going to share with you. This is not new stuff. It's been in the Bible for many, many, many years. It's true stuff. Like This is really, really, really true, and few of us actually put it to work in our life. So it's not new. It's very true, but few of us, so few of us actually put this principle that we're going to look at to work in our life. And when we do, when we do, it literally is one of those principles, like all of God's principles, that opens the sky up for us, and we're able to see things more clearly See God in the midst of our relationships or longing for relationships. See others more clearly and ultimately see ourselves more clearly. This weekend, what we're looking at is how you find the right person. Now, I know none of you have ever wondered about that before, but maybe you have a friend who has. That pressure, that tension, that wondering, that longing of finding who's the right person, how do I know if they're the right person, I just want to kind of like make sure that we level the playing field, because I'm going to be very honest with you this evening, I hope maybe you can be marginally honest with me or with us or this room full of strangers. And so what I'd love to know is for those of you who are currently single or dating, or for those of you who are married, I want you to think back a little bit, and we're just going to kind of go by, by show of hands, I want to see how many of you at some point, at some point, have prayed for your future spouse or that perfect person, either when you were single or as you're currently single? How many of you have reached out and prayed and begged God to reveal that person? Okay, good. See, you're more spiritual than you think you are, right? This is one of those prayers that you don't have to know God. You just say, oh God, please may he be here like now, tonight. I would like to meet him or she like here. That's why I came to church, right? So we have these prayers. For being really honest, all of us have done that. At some level, we've reached out, we've prayed to God, saying, God, would you please? How many of you have sort of an idea, or, or maybe at some point, when you were single, or now that you're single, you sort of have an idea of the characteristics that you'd like that person to look like or to have? Like, you have some kind of idea, hopefully. Wow, okay, we really need this series. We really, I guess we have to go back a couple weeks. All right, good. This is good. This is very, very important. All right, how many of you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, who your, and this is those for those who are dating, who your future spouse is. In fact, they're actually in this room. They just don't know it. Just raise your hand. No, don't. That's creepy. That's creepy. It's creepy. Don't do that. Please don't do that. That's creepy. That's very creepy. You're going to sketch everyone out. Okay. 
See, this is why we want to talk about this stuff, because all of us feel the tension of it, and so few of us know sort of what we do with the tension of desiring or wanting that future relationship. And for many of us, it's a perfect person. How many of you have ever used the phrase or heard someone use the phrase, the one? Right? There's so much wrapped up in that. Are they the one? Is she the one? Is he the one? Are they the one? What's, how will I know when they're the one? You heard it in that last video. Though I'm looking for the one. And we'll go to great lengths and we'll do some pretty ridiculous things to try and find the one. And we're going to show you a video right now which is not real. And thank God it's not. Just let's thank God it's not. So I want you to check out this video of the lengths that someone will go to to find the one. Let's go ahead and roll that. Hello, my name is Debbie. Um, this is my first attempt oops, um, at a eHarmony video. Um, this is my first time at online dating, so I'm nervous, but I'm excited at the same time. Um, so I'm just going to start talking about what I like and hope I get some replies. Um, so I am a recent um, MBA grad from Villanova. Um, I love cats. Um, I just... Sorry, I'm getting emotional. I love cats. Um, I love every kind of cat. Sorry, I just, I really love cats, and I just want to hug all of them, but I can't, because that's crazy, I can't hug every cat, but I just want to, I want to, I want to, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I just, I get, anytime I hear cat, I just, I love cats, um, ooh, promised myself I wouldn't cry. Um, so anyway, I am a cat lover, um, and I love to run. I'm sorry, I'm thinking about cats again. <laughs> I just, I think about how many don't have a home, and how I should have them, <laughs> And how cute they are, and their ears, and the whiskers, and the nose. I just love them, and I want them, and I want them in a basket, and I want little bow ties. <laughs> I want them to be on a rainbow, and just in my bed, and I just want a house full of them, and I just want to still roll around. <laughs> I can't. I, I can't. <laughs> yes. That is, thank the Lord, that's not real. Now, I want to be very clear. We are not making fun of eHarmony or dating services or anything like that. We're making fun of cats. <laughs> We're just, we want to be really clear that there are some creatures that God gives souls to, and then there's cats. And so, and so we want to be really clear about that. Okay, so we will go to... 
great lengths, right, to try and find that one, that one that meets all of our criteria and all of our standard. And you know, if you've been around Soul City for a little while now, uh, you know that one of the things we are always working hard to do is to take what is very spiritual and make it as practical and helpful as possible so that we can actually do the things that God has invited and created us to do. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get very practical with these ideas that we have in our head of that perfect person out there, or for those of you who are married, how you can um, make your spouse more perfect, okay? So what I want you to do is I want you to grab, there should be an index card right in front of you and a pen, and for those of you in the front row, see if you can scrounge for one around you. I want you to grab a pen and index card, because here's what we're going to do over the next few moments. You're going to have about 60 seconds. Does everyone have a pen and an index card? It should be right in front of you in your seat. I'm going to ask everyone to do this, because I think it'll help shine a light on some of Uh, The things that we keep up in our head, but that we don't ever verbalize or we ever actually work out. Here's what I want you to do over the next 60 seconds. I want you to write down, if you could, what are the top three characteristics of someone that you're looking for? That, what would be the top three characteristics of that perfect person? For those of you who are single or dating, what would be those top three characteristics of the perfect person? For those of you who are married, what would be the three ways you want to help make your spouse more perfect. And again, for those of you who are married, if you're writing and elbowing a lot while you write, try to keep that to a minimum, okay? You can share the list later. But what would be the three things of that perfect person? Go ahead and just write down the top three. You don't have to think too hard. If you're thinking too hard about this, you're thinking too long, don't worry about that, okay? What would be the top three? Would it be, you know, you want them to be funny, you want them to be kind, you want them to be rich, you want them to be uh, generous? What would, what would some of the top characteristics be of the person that you're looking for, the person that you're with, and you want to see them become more like. Make sense? Give yourselves like another 20 more seconds to do that. Top three characteristics of that perfect person that you're looking for. Okay, here's what I want you to do. You can keep writing while we do this. Uh, There's so many of us, we have these things called like the one, and then we also have the list that we keep somewhere up in our head and in our heart where we pretty much judge every living human being by. And so what we're going to do is just get real honest with that right now. And I want you, if you would, please, to look down at the card um, that you wrote. I want to hear what would be some of those top characteristics. So go ahead. What I want you to do is just shout those back out to me, and I'll try as best I can to write those down. What? What? Honest. Okay, good. That was quick. I just, I was barely finished that sentence. You're, I would say, prompt. Okay, good. What else? Humor. Yep. Caring, yep. Loves God more than cats. Good. Yep. What else? Leader. Leader. Okay. Good. These are great. What else? Confident. Attractive. Thank you. That was my wife. I don't know what message she's trying to send there. I thought we settled that. <laughs> All right, good. Patient. Self-aware. Self-aware. Very good. That's good. Servant. Someone please say penmanship. It's not me. All right, good. What else? Anything else? Penmanship. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> what else? What's on your list? Compassionate. Compassionate. Great. What was that other one? Smart. Smart. Great. Hospitable. Hospitable. 
Yeah, you got too many words in Scrabble, or letters in Scrabble. You got to hospitable. Can cook. Bold move, my friend. Bold move. Put all your cards on the table. Why not? Let's just put them all on the table. All right, anything else? Adventurous, great one. All right, we'll stop there. Okay. Look, whether you admit it or not, every one of us has that idea of that perfect someone. And again, if you're married, you have this ideal of what you think your spouse should be. Every one of us has the one, and every one of us has the list somewhere in our minds. Somewhere in our minds. Listen, this is one of those things that it doesn't matter if you're single, dating, married, single again. It doesn't matter if you're a church-going person, if you're not a church-going person. This kind of stuff intersects all of us. It affects all of us. We all have this idea of that perfect person. We all have this list that we try and hold them to, that we want to try and find in someone or find more in the person that we're looking for. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at this list. And this is just what we came up with. There's a lot more, obviously. You have your card there. Honest, sense of humor, caring, loves God, leader, confident, attractive, patient, self-aware, servant, compassionate, smart, hospitable, cooks, adventurous. All right, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at these uh, characteristics, these attributes, and just by, let's be real honest here. By show of hands, how many of you have at least one on the Soul City list? How many of you have at least one of those characteristics? Raise your hand. Come on, you got to have at least one. Okay, good. So that's most of us in the room. Listen, you're all very nice people. You're great people. Like I could, you have some of these characteristics. That's pretty cool. I, I assume that about you, but it's good to see you raise your hand and admit that. Here's the next level. How many of you would say that you have two or three of these characteristics? Two or three of these as you look at it, in some degree, you're not perfect on it, but in some degree you have those. Good. Okay. Very good. How many of you would say that you have all of these? All of these in perfect. You got that? Good. That's right. <laughs> Can we scratch off humble somewhere? Was that on there? All right, so look. Even on this little small list that we just made up in church on a Sunday night, right? All of us carry this idea in our head. All of us carry our list with us everywhere we go, whether we realize it or not, either for the person we're looking for or the person we're with that they want them to be. All of us have these lists. The reality is, by the lack of show of hands, there's not a single person in this room that actually makes the list, this list. There's not a single person in this room tonight that actually makes this list that we just came up with. Listen, it's your list. These are your characteristics and your words. And by the lack of show of hands in this room, there's not a single one of us that actually makes this little list tonight. So if you're here tonight trying to find the perfect person, move on. I mean, they're not here. They're clearly not here at Soul City because you can tell we can't even make the list that we came up with, which I think presents a very interesting tension and reality that God loves to speak into is that we have such an elaborate list and expectation and such a perspective on everyone else and yet so often isn't it true that we are blind to our own selves we are so good at looking for the perfect person or finding all the ways that that person is not perfect and yet at the same time we are so blind to our own selves our own qualities, our own characteristics. None of us in this room can even make this list. And yet we hold people to, people we've met, people we've never met before, a standard that is not humanly possible. And yet it's the one, and it's the list, that keeps many of us in relationships 
that drag on and on and on because you keep finding this thing or that thing about him or her, you know, that I just, I like him. I really, I mean, I really love, I love her. It's just, you know, she's got a past. And so I just don't know. I don't know. And the relationship continues to go on and on and on and drags on. Or I really, really love him, but I don't know. It's just his friends. I don't know. I don't know if I see it. And these things may be very, very valid things, but for some of us, we keep relationships dragging on and on and on because we keep finding things in the other person that aren't perfect. Or for some of us, it keeps us on the sideline of relationships, like a catcher just waving off every pitch. No, 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 because they're not perfect, because I don't think they're the one. And I have friends who are um, so desperately waiting for God to bring them the one. And they think that somehow magically God is going to make a perfect person other than Jesus. And he's going to parade them right in front of their lives. And they'll know it and they'll recognize it and that'll be it. And the more and more years they keep waiting on the sidelines for that perfect person to appear the more bitterness grows, resentment grows, and even a low-level anger towards God grows. Because we've been looking at the wrong person in all the wrong ways, in all the wrong places. And so what we're going to look at tonight is what Jesus' remedy would be to our lists that we have for everyone else all the things that we need to be perfect in someone else or all the things that we keep finding wrong in someone else, we're going to look at what Jesus' remedy would be to that. And so what I want you to do is grab a Bible. There should be a Bible right in front of you. Uh, You can open up to Matthew chapter 7. Open up to Matthew chapter 7 in the Bible. We're going to put it up on the screens as well, but we're going to look at this passage that comes at the tail end of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7, this is on page 894 in the Blue Bibles. So uh, again, if if you're kind of new to the Bible or you don't own a Bible and you're here at Soul City tonight and you just don't have one of these around the house, you've never owned one of these or don't have one currently, listen, just take the one that's in your hands right now. It's that important to us that you stay connected to God's truth because this truth literally changes lives. And so if you don't own a Bible, you get to steal a Bible from church tonight. That's pretty awesome. So make sure that you you can take this and it's all yours. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is at the tail end of the Sermon on the Mount. This is one of the most famous sermons that Jesus ever gave. And as far as we know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people have gathered on a hillside to hear Jesus teach and he's illuminating the ways of God. He's illuminating what people of God look like. He's illuminating what the kingdom of God looks like, what heaven on earth actually looks like. And he talks about a lot of different things. But Matthew chapter 7, he's coming towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount and he gives us this very interesting image that I think speaks directly into our propensity to see all the faults or imperfections in others while refusing to look at ourselves. Let's look at this together. Matthew chapter 7 verse 1. Jesus says these words, do not judge or you too will be what? Judged. Ever heard that before? Don't judge or you too will be judged, right? Jesus is saying, look, be very, very, very careful at how quick you are to look at the faults of others and how slow you are to look at the faults of yourself. Be very careful. Verse 2, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So Jesus is saying, look, 
this thing does love you sort of holding everyone to this perfect standard. Guess what? You're being held to the same standard. So let's look at what really happens here. Verse three, Jesus says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in someone else's eye and pay no attention to the what? Plank in your own eye. How can you say, let me take the speck out of your eye. Let me find this imperfect thing in you. Well, all the time there is a plank in your own eye. Jesus goes on to use no small words. He's not mixing words at all here. He says, you what? You hypocrite. You're so concerned with finding the faults in everyone else and you don't even see them in yourself. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will what? See clearly. That's interesting. Take the plank out of your own eye. Find the own, your own places of flaws, imperfections, where you don't add up, measure up, where you yourself are not actually perfect. You bring those to God. You name those in your life. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from some other person's eye. It's a very interesting image that Jesus is giving us. What he's saying is that we have become really, really quick to find the really really small little pieces of sawdust in other people's eyes. Now listen, if you're dating, you're single, you you got your list, you've got your your idea, it's really easy to sort of measure people up to this list that's impossible for even you to meet. And so you find all kinds of things. Oh, I just, you know, man, listen, the, the... the way they sort of do this or the way that they do that or I'm not sure that I, I necessarily like this about them or, you know, she, he's got sweaty palms. I don't know what that means. Like, you know, she's got man breath. Like, I don't know, like whatever your thing is that like you find all these excuses and you find all these reasons and you're so quick and it's superficial stuff lots of times. But then there's big things that you're actually like surprised that this person isn't perfect. And so you've become like a spec inspector. You find all the things wrong in everyone else. And listen, dating and, 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 and single Single people, you're just as good at doing it. Married people, you're even better at doing it. Married people are incredibly, incredibly good at finding the tiniest speck in their spouse's eye before even taking a second to investigate the plank in their own eye. And Jesus is making the image incredibly simple and clear for us. you got to remember, Jesus is a carpenter. So he's pulling this imagery from his youth, from his childhood. He knew a lot about specks and splinters and planks, right? Had worked with them his whole life. So he's pulling back from his story, from his life. And he's saying, look, you're so consumed with finding the tiniest thing, you, you, you don't see this. Like, you literally can't see this giant thing. And guess what? Everyone else can see it. And no matter how big you smile or or how like, is it my left side? Does my left side look better? Like you're still going to see this. In fact, everyone else sees this. The only person that doesn't see the giant plank growing out of your own eye is you. Lots of times the reason you can't see is because you're so obsessed in finding the specks in other people's eyes. Look, Jesus is speaking not only to those of us who are single dating, married. This is one of the number one things that Christians have become known for because we're some of the best at doing it. We are so good at finding what's wrong in everyone else while refusing to see the giant plank of hypocrisy in our own eye. We're good at this, really good at this. And there's a reason the world keeps its distance and is skeptical and cynical about Christianity or religion. It's because we've become incredible speck inspectors. 
then we're quick to find fault in everyone else. This is true of me. I'll be real honest with you guys. The, the reality is the, the majority of um, heightened verbal disagreements that my wife and I have um, tend to come from speck and plank problems. And I'll be honest. So I can only speak to, from myself and take responsibility for, for my life. The majority of fights that we have, and we don't fight often, but when we do, we fight really well. And the majority of fights that we have tend to come from me having a trigger finger, speck inspector way of finding something wrong that Jeannie has done. I'm so quick to do that. It's almost effortless. I don't even realize my reaction time. All the while not even realizing that there is a giant plank of responsibility. There's a giant plank of brokenness. There's a giant plank of flaw in my own life right in front of me. And so many times, so many times, it is my defensiveness that causes this plank to get even bigger and me to be even blinder. Because I'm just so quick to to try and defend and to protect and to make sure that she doesn't find a speck in me. So I'm going to find all the specks in her and all the little nitpicky things. And so often, we found you guys after, listen, this summer will be 15 years we've been married. 15 years we were married this summer we're celebrating that, which is incredible, you know, because we got married when we were 12. So it's incredible (laughs) that you can even do that. I don't even know how we did that. But remember, we lived in the South for a while. So anyway, the point is, the point is, After 15 years, guess what we find? Guess what we found? The majority of our fights, the majority of the things that we disagree on or we can't see eye to eye on because of the speck and the plank, the majority of them come back to the same core issues. And they typically start with the smallest little specks. They start with the smallest little things. But in my blindness, I am so quick to rush to judgment I'm so quick to rush to find her faults and where she's wrong at this. And what Jesus is saying is, look, first of all, I'm not the only one that does this. Second of all, when I do that, I am unable to see things clearly because I do not see the giant plank in my own eye, my own giant plank of flaw, of failure. And I think for many of us, for many of us, for those of you who are married, this one doesn't take long to like do the math and figure out how it translates, does it? Like, you know how this works, don't you? You've seen it. You've seen it. Those of you who are dating, you've seen. You like to think that you don't have fights, but you have. It's okay. It's okay. And you know how this all works. It's speck and plank kind of stuff, isn't it? For those of you who are single or who are just sort of kind of figuring out single again, maybe, whatever it may be, this idea of finding all the things that aren't right in someone else or waiting for that perfect person out there becomes a plank in front of your eye that blinds you so much that you cannot, as Jesus says, see clearly the people, the opportunities that are right in front of you. It blinds you so much that you can't even see clearly into your own self because you are so obsessed with that list and that one. And what Jesus is saying to each of us tonight, no matter where you're at on the dating married thing, No matter where you're at on the God thing, each one of us can start with the plank in our own eye. That the list, actually, the list starts with us. The list actually starts with us. Can you say that? The list 
starts with us. Let's say that again like we actually like believe it. The list starts with us, right? It sounds like group therapy. That's right. The list starts with us. Instead of that perfect person, that perfect one that no one is ever going to live up to, because as we found so far, no one in this room could ever live up to, how about we start with the list of things in our own lives where we need God, where we are flawed, where we are not perfect, where we have literally a giant plank coming out of our eye, where we can say with all honesty and authenticity and humility, yep, guess what? I don't have it all figured out. I am not perfect. Instead of sort of just Judging you for not being perfect or finding all the ways that you're not perfect or being quick to find the speck in your own eye, I am going to start by saying, you know what? I, you know, I have an anger issue that I've carried with me my whole life. So I'm going to start there. Instead of trying to find the thing about you that makes me frustrated or mad or that I can hide behind, I'm going to start with my own thing. Or I've been addicted to this thing for years and I can hide behind it by judging other people, by finding their faults. Because that way the light isn't shining on me and the giant plank that's sticking out of my eye. Like The list starts with us. And it starts with you and I saying, we're not perfect. <laughs> Which I know is not a shocker to you, but I think we need to be reminded of that. Because every time we do this, we somehow assume that we are or that that person is out there. And what we need to say is, no, we're not. We're flawed. We're broken. We have planks in our eye. And you know what? I'm going to start with that. I'm going to start by saying, I don't have it all figured out. I'm going to start by saying, I need help. I'm going to start by saying, look, I'm trying to figure this thing out. I start with the plank in my own eye. And as I do, and as I invite God into that, as I invite him into that, I am able to see more clearly more clearly of who God has created me to be, more clearly of where God is in the mix of my singleness, of my waiting, of my longing, desiring for relationship, more clearly where God is in the midst of my marriage and the seasons where it's in a great place, the seasons where it's in a really hard place. I can't see those clearly when I'm blinded to the sins and the faults in my own life. And maybe one of the most freeing things for you to do, single people, Maybe one of the most freeing things for you to do, for those of you who are not married, is to sort of, if you can, again, because these things are good. It's always good to have, like, you know, standards, right? It's good to have standards. Let me just be very clear about that. Like, I went to church, and he said I could date anybody. That's not at all what I'm saying. These things are important. But maybe you need to either crumble up this list or fold this list up and, and, and mentally put it in a drawer for a little bit and make another list. That's what we've been talking about for the last couple weeks around here. Make another list of saying, you know what, where are the places where I actually need to grow? Where there's places in me that aren't perfect, that I see in my own self and say, okay, I, I can't control that person out there. I can't make a perfect person come into my life. But in the meantime, I can work on the things that God's put right in front of my eyes. I'm going to work on those things. I'm going to bring those to God. I'm going to admit, I'm going to admit that I don't have it all figured out either, that there's a plank in my eye. It repostures, it repositions things. It, re- it literally changes your perspective. On the whole dating thing, the whole single thing, it changes that when you start with a plank in your own eye. For those of you who are married, maybe instead of, um, as you come around those points of tension, right, married folks? Again, I know you don't do this, but for your friends who do. <laughs> when you hit those points of tension, instead of trying to combat and compare 
yourself to your spouse? Yeah, will you do this? Yeah, will you do this? What about the time that you did this? And like some of you guys, like you're pulling back from like nine years ago. Like remember that one time when we went to Virginia, remember, and you forgot to put the gas cap on? Like you're really reaching, right, for that. Maybe instead of trying to combat and compare and win your fights that way, what if you confessed? Here's a crazy concept. What if in marriage, instead of combating and comparing, you confessed and you said, you know what, look, I know, I know I told you that I would do this and I didn't and I'm sorry and I'm going to work on that. Do you know how much you'll change the temperature in your marriage by doing that? By literally looking at the plank in your own eye and going, you know what, I promise you, and this is what's amazing, Gene and I keep a to-do list literally written, like a giant to-do list right next to our kitchen, and there are several of those items that are attached to me that I'm responsible to do. It changes things when I say to Jeannie, you know what, I told you I would do this, I said I would do this with the car, and I didn't do it. And it's a small thing, I know, but usually these things are spec kind of things, that's where they start. And so I'm really sorry, I should have done that. I'm really sorry. That's a very small thing, and guess what? If I don't, if that doesn't, if I'm unaware of just owning and confessing my own faults, my own planks in my own eye, guess what they become? They become giant, blown out of proportion things. That's how these things start. Married folks, can you imagine? Those of you who one day long to be married, can you imagine? Maybe those of you who are dating, this is a great practice for you to try. Is for this week, this week for you to start by confessing when you drop the ball, when you aren't perfect. Guess what? You're going to have a lot of opportunities. You're going to have a lot of opportunities to do that. It changes the temperature. It changes the dynamic. Because the crazy thing is, it's going to come back in at some point, some way. Either you're going to say it or they're going to say it about you. How much better is it to start with the plank in your own eye and to own it and take responsibility for it? We need a new list. We need a new list. We need to stop worrying about the one out there. We need to stop worrying about trying to make our spouse the one we want them to be and start by looking at the planks in our own eye and saying, you know what? I'm a judgmental person. I need to own that. You know what? I have a quick temper. I need to own that. You know what? I waste. I burn through money. I want to own that. I want to do the work that I can do right now. And especially for those of you who are single or dating, uh, our pastor down in Atlanta says this way, this work that you do right now is the, is the work of, um, you know, becoming the person that you're looking for that they're actually looking for. So the, let me say that again, because I know that was like Keanu Reeves. You're like, whoa. Let me say that again. <laughs> the work that you're doing, like right now, is you're becoming the person that you're looking for is actually looking for. Like instead of waiting for that perfect person, right now you commit yourself to doing the work of becoming the person that that kind of person is actually looking for. This is what Jesus invites every one of us in to do. And the great thing is this. The band's going to come up and we're going to spend a few times, a few minutes just gathering around the reality of God's love for us in our life. Here's the great thing. We, we can have our lists, our lists that don't even represent real people, the list of the planks on our own eye that we need to pay attention to, the list of things that we want to confess instead of combating and comparing ourselves with. But the reality is this. None of this stuff is possible the forgiveness, the awareness, none of that is possible without another list that comes long before these lists. And that is the list of sin and brokenness that has literally separated from God. The list of my sin 
and my brokenness has me literally separated from God. A perfect God cannot be in the same space as someone who is literally has as many flaws and broken and more than that, sins against God. And the crazy thing is this. God, in his audacious love, sent his son, Jesus Christ, the one whose teaching we looked at and listened to tonight. And because of the sacrifice of his life and his love, the list has changed. So much so now that when God looks at me, he sees the attributes, he sees the list of the things that describe Jesus. There's another list, friends, that is much greater than all of these, and it's the totality of my sin. And what we do around here is we celebrate the fact that we have a God of grace who says that that list now is null and void because of the sacrifice and the life of Jesus Christ. That's why we sing songs. That's why we keep running after God is because we cannot find a better deal on earth that no other single person is ever going to complete or fulfill our lives like Jesus Christ already has, has already made available to every one of us. So in a minute, what we're going to do when I'm done praying here is we're going to receive an offering. It's a way that we say thanks to God. It's a way that we give back to God. It's a way that we acknowledge God's goodness and gift in our lives. So we're going to be passing buckets around. If you're new here to Soul City, let it pass. Truly, this is for those of us who would call God our Father, who call this church our home. But what I want to do right now is pray for each of us, for the specs, the, the logs actually in our own eyes. And here's what I'd ask you to do. If you would just kind of bow your head, and if, if you would, would you do something, take a risk? Just put your hands over your eyes. Would you just put your hands over your eyes right now? It's not like a magic trick or anything. It's just a symbolic way for you to think about what are the things that are keeping you from seeing clearly? Seeing yourself, actually, for who you are. You've been waiting so long for the perfect person to come and find you and to choose you and to somehow make you worthy. And yet God already sees you as lovely and desirable. And there's not a person on earth that can match that love. And so maybe you need to see that plank that you've put in front of you seen more clearly. Maybe for some of you, it's an addiction. It's a habit. It's a pattern. It's a sin that you think you can manage on your own. And what it's doing is it's not only affecting your life and your relationship with God, it's affected every relationship around you. No matter how hard you try to manage it, you just need to say, you know what? There's a giant plank in my eye and it's this addiction. Maybe it's just simply being judgmental. Your plank is your incredible ability to find all the specks in everyone else's eye and you judge people for not being perfect enough, for not matching up to your list, for not being spiritual enough, whatever it may be. What would happen? What would it look like for us to be a community of people who said, you know, we're going to start with a plank in our own eye and we're going to invite Jesus into that and we're going to trust and pray that maybe then, maybe then, we will see things more clearly, see things the way that God sees them, see ourselves and others the way that God sees us. God, that's our prayer right now. We literally, we, we know it doesn't take us long to see and to recognize the plank in front of our own eye. And so instead of trying to hide that behind all the specks in everyone else's eye, we just name them, God. We name them to you right now. We know that we cannot have healthy relationships, God, if we continue to live with planks in front of our eyes. And so, Jesus, thank you for that image. And we take that with us. We take that with us this week. That we will be quick, quick to find the faults and brokenness in places where there's planks in our own eye and slow to go around and try and pick specks out of everyone else's eye. Thank you that your truth affects every one of us. 
no matter where we're at with you, no matter where we're at in the dating married continuum, we thank you that your truth literally has the power to change our life. And so we pray that you will do that even now as we worship you and we seek to praise you, God, and we seek transformation in our lives from the inside out, God, from the work that you do in us, out of us, through us. Thank you so much, God, for your truth, your word, in your name. Amen.